Hello and welcome to Grace Life Duras. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray that this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Hello again, friend. We are getting straight into part four of Perfect Perspective. I am so glad that you joined me today. Wherever you are, grab a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, maybe some water. Get your pen, notebook and Bible and we're going to get straight into the word. So, Father, I want to thank you for your goodness that you are here with us as we um, gather around your word. And as we sit down and say, Father, I quiet myself to listen to the words of your spirit so it brings life, restoration, fullness and correction. And thank you, Father, that we have the opportunity to sit here together, listening to your words, receiving from your words so that we may grow and may be firmly established in the truth of who Jesus is, what he's come to accomplish for us, and who we now are because of his work. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So welcome back to Grace Life Tourist. Uh, if you're here for the first time, you can check out the other teachings we've got online, um, and then maybe even start from part one of Perfect Perspective, because we are building blocks. And the reason we're having this series is really that my desire is to see all of us walk in a clear understanding of the scriptures and um, we should say the scriptures and the entire word of God because the more clear our perspective is about God the more, and who we are because of what God accomplished through salvation the more definite our lives will start to look as Jesus intended it to look you know the greatest problem in the world today is a, uh, a misunderstanding of who God is and because we do not have the right understanding of who he is through the word of God, we end up looking um, the way we look. The world ends up looking the way it looks because people no longer see God in the way that he wants to be seen. And even as Christians, we have a lot of strange teachings. We have lots of weird things that we need to really bring back under the authority of God's word and say, is this true or is this just tradition of man? Uh, because we don't want to live with tradition of man. That's not going to bring life. Jesus himself is against it uh, when he is on earth, saying that that is the reason we don't see him, because of the traditions of man. If you hear some noise in the background, that's the beautiful thunder here in Albania. It is definitely a cold day. So let's begin. So as you know, with this series, we started in Luke 24, where Jesus is now, he has been through the crucifixion and he was raised from the dead. However, some of the disciples still believe that they stole his body. On that same day when they see the, the grave is open, two of his disciples are on their way to Emmaus and Jesus appears to them and they don't recognize him and he has a conversation with them. And although they tell him all the facts about what had happened, to them the last few days, he calls them a foolish, slow of heart to believe. So foolish, I've gone into that, you can go and look at it, but that's definitely not something you ever want to hear Jesus say to you. You foolish man, slow of heart to believe. I definitely don't want to hear those words. 
And then what he does, I went into detail what that means, but then what he does with the correction comes the instruction or the teaching. He begins with Moses and all the way through the prophets, he teaches them and shows them the things concerning himself to the degree that their hearts burn within them and uh, their whole life changes. And so I will actually be going into that as well today. Um, so let's, with that being said, what I'm going to start doing now in this series is I'm going to start doing what Jesus did, beginning with Moses. We're going to walk through the scriptures and show you things concerning Jesus, because this whole entire collection of books called the Bible is put together to bring us to one point, one point and one point only. And that's going to become clear as we look at it today. So beginning with Moses, meaning Jesus was starting at the very beginning because Moses writes the first five books of the Bible. Moses is not there when creation happens, but he's the one who God ordains to write these things down. And if we bring perfect perspective on these things, um, and how it was written and why it was written, it will open our eyes to see God for who he really is. And that will have a great impact in our life. So we have to start actually in Psalms. And then we're going to go to a few different scriptures today and look in, more intensely at what Jesus was talking about to his disciples and what we need to hear. So our end result is that our hearts burn within us and our lives are transformed into the image of God. We become who we are. Psalm 78. Psalm 78 verse 2 to 3. I think I will be referring to this quite a lot. Psalm 78 verse 2 to 3. Look at what the psalmist says. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. Now, another translation um, translates that word parable or uh, that word dark sayings uh, into riddles. So dark sayings, the word there, dark sayings, is riddle or puzzle. Okay, what is the psalmist showing us? The psalmist is actually showing us that God's writings needs to be explained. Okay, he is in fact trying to say that although we know that the gospel is easy, to get the full understanding and revelation of God through the word is going to take study because it is a riddle. It is written as a puzzle. It is a dark saying, not just little parts of it, but lots of it is like that. Now watch these words where it says that I will open my mouth in a parable and I will utter dark sayings of old. Watch how Jesus uses it in Matthew. In Matthew, Matthew records in Matthew 13, where Jesus says these exact same things, okay? And he says, or where Jesus is speaking in parables, sorry, and now Matthew says to us why he's doing it. He says in verse 34, all these things Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables, and he did not speak to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the foundation of the world. So if we go back to Psalms, it says, we will, um, things which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. But Jesus goes even deeper. He opens his mouth in parables and he utters things hidden since the foundation of the world. He was in fact already trying to explain things to them while he was on the earth, but they could not understand. But now, 
since he has entered into his glory, now because we believe and we have a new born-again spirit inside of us, we can now understand that which could not be understood only with the flesh. Okay, Jesus is clearly saying to us that things that were written in Genesis, from Genesis, needs explaining, unfolding, and interpreting. Because that's what he did with the disciples in Luke 24. That word where it says he explained things to them is to unfold it, to make it clear. It's to explain it or to interpret into your language. Okay? Now, we cannot read it just, we cannot read the scriptures anymore, the Bible anymore, just the way it is. Because we will miss the point. What was Jesus saying to his disciples in Luke 24? He was basically saying, boys, time to grow up. Time to see how faithful your God is. Yes, I am everything you thought I was, but I am much, much more. I am God taking on flesh. And the same God who started all of this did not fail you. Now it's time to really start living by seeing what it was all about. Now, Paul actually summarizes all of this very beautifully when he writes to Timothy, uh, who he calls his, his uh, son because he was his spiritual son. So go to 2 Timothy with me, in 2 Timothy 3. Uh, 2 Timothy, now I must just find 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 3, verse 15. Okay, now Paul is writing to Timothy. If you know anything about Timothy, you would know that he was, uh, his mom was a, was a Jew, but his father was a Greek. But his mom trained him in the way of the Jewish um, tradition, as well as therefore the writings, the scriptures, which is Genesis to Malachi. Whenever you see the word scripture in the Bible, it is referring to Genesis to Malachi, not to the entire Bible, because it didn't exist when it was written, those words. Uh, scripture. When they refer to scripture, it means Genesis to Malachi. So now Paul is instructing Timothy and he's saying to him in verse 15, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, this is the scriptures, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 3.15 in the Amplified reads like this, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings or Hebrew scriptures, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus, surrendering your entire self to him and having absolute confidence in his wisdom, power and goodness. What is Paul saying to Timothy here? He is not saying forget the Old Testament. We call it Old Testament today. He's not saying forget the scriptures. He's not saying it's not relevant. He's not saying leave it. It's got nothing to do with you anymore. What is he saying to him? Paul, the man who had the greatest revelation of grace known back then to man. I think sometimes still does. <laughs> He's the one who says, remember the sacred writings, because these writings, these scriptures, Genesis to Malachi, they have a clear goal. They have a clear instruction as God's spirit moved through man to pin these things down. There is a clear purpose. And the purpose is this, to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, 
which is in Christ Jesus. So the scriptures are not just able to give us wisdom. In fact, if we go to Genesis to Malachi only for wisdom, for wisdom alone, like going to Proverbs for wisdom, we can be deceived. Why? Because the purpose of these writings was to lead us to faith in Jesus Christ. And when we have faith in Jesus Christ, now that faith, that salvation that's come to us has made us a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5.17. And now that new creation has the wisdom of God, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30. Now we can operate from true spiritual wisdom. And that wisdom starts with receiving salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Okay, so we must remember this. Why? If you're making a note, make note of this. Spiritual truth always defines earthly realities. Our worldview is constantly being affected by what we believe about God. Whether we think it is or whether we think it is not, it is always, always being affected by what we believe about God. We must first see that there is spiritual truth and it defines earthly realities. If we look through the world through spiritual truth, we suddenly see what the reality of the earth is showing us. Okay? We're going to go deeper into that. But first, we need to kind of note that, that it's really important because sometimes we look at things around us, which are reality. I'm not arguing that. But we miss the spiritual truth that God is trying to give us. We look at our circumstances, environment, um, our, our, uh, not just circumstances, but our news. We look at what's happening in our families. We look at our finances to determine whether we are who God says we are, when actually that is completely wrong. Okay, so let's do it. Let's go deeper. Let's discover through the scriptures who God is. Okay, by revelation. Remember some of this, not right now, but I'm building blocks that's going to safely navigate us through some difficult things. But um, if we don't build these blocks well, we will not be able to get there together. And if we can't get there together, the problem is that um, when I get to the difficult blocks, you might struggle there. But I want to encourage you not to give up because we do not want to hear Jesus go, guys, you missed the point, right? Like I taught before. You don't want to hear him saying, oh, foolish, slow of heart to believe. You could have experienced so much more, you know. So it's worth coming to the word and going, God, I don't want to define this. I need you to define that. And that's why God puts teachers in the body of Christ to show us things so we can then go and study them out for ourselves. And that's really the desire that I have with going through this with you slowly. So as we go deeper, we need to realize that Jesus says in Luke 24, or the scripture says there, that beginning with Moses, he started explaining. So what do we know about Moses? These are some of the things we need to know. When it refers to the writings of Moses, it is referring to everything Moses wrote, not just him and his lifetime. It is referring from Genesis, the first five books of the Bible, because Moses wrote them. It was written about any place between 1200 and 1400 BC. So it's a long time ago. And the events, the events in Genesis come to an end many years before Moses is born. Okay. Lots of history has taken place in the world. Lots of history. However, the purpose 
of Moses penning the book of Genesis is not to give us the history of the world. It is to give us God's perspective, God's wisdom to lead us to salvation through the Messiah or Jesus Christ. Okay, This is why he's writing. He's writing that which is needed for us to receive salvation. Let's go Let's go further. Okay, let's look at it. Remember who is he writing to? So there's lots of history has taken place, but it's definitely not recorded all of it in Genesis. Okay. He is, however, um, sitting with a group of people who are Abraham's seed, and they have been exposed to idol worship through the Egyptian enslaving um, or slavery for 400 or more years. This is roughly, if you work it out, about 20 generations of being exposed to slavery and idol worship. So why does God cho choose Moses? Okay, well, as we know from the story, if you've been in um, any form of kids' church, if you haven't, it's fine, I will tell you. Moses was also a slave boy, but when uh, Pharaoh decided to kill all the slave boys, his mom in wisdom saved him. There's lots to say in his story, we're going to get into it, but saves him, puts him on the water in a little basket, and the princess of Egypt gets Moses. How ironic is that? Pharaoh then basically raises him but or, or takes him into the palace, but his mom raises him. The princess calls his mom through the sister and pays the mom to raise Moses. So now Moses is not being raised as a slave. He is being raised in the king's house. So what would he receive? Well, if you know anything about Egyptian history, you know that they are well known for architecture and development. Um, world-conquering kind of idea, and also for education. And so he would have been well-skilled and well-trained in how to write, educated in writing and reading, as well as how to take stories and um, not creatively share them, but cre um, share accounts, so oral tradition, because up until that point, up until Moses' writings, everything was coming down by oral um Oral explanation. Now Moses comes and he writes it down, but he doesn't just write down everything. He purposely, with the education he has and empowered by the Spirit of God to make these sacred writings, he now can do more than just write an account of a story. He is into this account. He is writing enough truth and spiritual realities that we can receive salvation. Okay, this is really, really important, okay? He uses these accounts that he's writing, being inspired by God to write them down as more than just facts about history. It is instructions to lead us to life. He wants to reveal to us who God really is. The Egypt, the slaves have just been exposed to a whole bunch of different gods. And when God finally... um has this, I almost want to call this instrument of Moses in his hands, who's willing and now able to write it down. God can start revealing himself as the God who saves, writing it down for us to even receive salvation today. Okay? So we will also do the same. We will go back with this kind of understanding and now start to go, okay, wait a minute. When I read Genesis and creation, maybe there's more than just a book about how the world started. 
Maybe there's a purpose behind it. So let's look at it. I'm not going to read Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Please go and read it on your own. But what you will find in Genesis 1, 2, and 3 is it is the account of creation and the fall of man. And uh, yeah, we call it the fall of man, but the disobedience of mankind. And so when you read this, you need to remember the background story that Moses is writing this not when it is happening. He is writing this as just being freed. He's in the presence of God and he is now writing down these things with a purpose. Watch where he starts. Genesis 1 starts by introducing us to God. It says, in the beginning, what? Was creation? No, it was God. The very first thing he, re he reveals to us that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth is that God was first. First is spiritual truth, then follows physical realities. This also shows us, especially to the Hebrew slave, that back then, that we do not worship things of the earth. We worship the God who created it. You know, if you think about Egypt, I mean, many of you will know that they worshiped the sun god, Ra. Okay, they worshiped actually many, many, many forms of the earth. The um, Now I'm thinking of all the Afrikaans words, but they worshiped all the animals. They worshiped animals. They worshiped weird things, cats, and even still till today, many people do things like that. And what is Moses' very first point? In the beginning, God was. Before this was created, God was. Okay? There is only one spiritual being, and he is higher than all other spiritual beings, even though there are other spiritual beings. Here, we give his, the word used is Elohim. It is not a name. It is a title. Elohim is not saying that is God's name. For example, my name is Alicia. This is my name. However, my children call me mom. My husband call me, calls me wife. Um, and these are titles given to me. But we could be in a conversation with a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of kids, but only my children will refer to me as mom. And when they call out, they know that they are specifically talking to me, this mom. Okay, Elohim is a title given to God. And the Hebrew writers makes it very clear as the scriptures develop and, and unfolds that this God, Elohim, is higher than any other. For example, in our English translations in scripture, it says he is the God above all gods. He is the Elohim above all Elohim. He is the highest of all. Okay, and he is Lord God and he is one. But in the Elohim, he is more than one. Why, do, why, does, um, why does Moses do that? Why didn't he put the singular for Elohim there? No, no, he puts the plural form. Why? Because we know already he is showing us the divine, the divine revelation that God is one, but more than one. That he expresses himself in three um, beings, uh, not three beings, three personalities. One being, three personalities. Good example, I am a mother, but I'm also a wife. I'm also a daughter. I'm a sister. I am uh, also a pastor. I am also a leader. I am also a friend. I'm also a woman. And But I'm one person. Now, God himself, we see it actually from the start. In Genesis 1, 2, and 3, you already see it there, how God expresses himself. It says, God, first Elohim, is. Then who's moving over the waters? The Spirit. 
The spirit is moving over this place of darkness and chaos, but the spirit is there. Already we should be seeing the message of salvation. There's darkness. There's darkness, but who is there? God, the spirit. And what does God's spirit do? What does he do before he creates anything? He waits for God's word. You should be thinking of John 1. And the word became flesh. In the beginning was the word and he was God, right? Now we see already, there they are, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit together in unity. In fact, we see in Genesis that when God decides to create man, he speaks to himself. He says, let us make man in our image. See? Okay, so already, already Moses is showing us Spiritual truth that needs careful, um, not just explanation, but careful study so that we may see God for who he really is. Because it's a progressive revelation throughout the scriptures of who God is. With the final revelation caught up in the person of Jesus, as we know, because Hebrews 1 verse 3 says he is the exact radiance, the exact image of God. Okay, so let's quickly see. Actually, we can read it in Colossians as well, because in Colossians 1, if you go to Colossians, you will see that Colossians says the same thing that Hebrew says, just in a different way. Uh, Colossians 1, verse 15 to 16, says, He, this is referring to Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now, please don't separate Jesus and God too much. Be careful for this, and we will get into this. He, it is saying that he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. So he is God. He is God. He's just the flesh part, the, the, the image, the visible of the invisible. Whoa, huge. We're going to get into that, okay? Firstborn of all creation. He was there before all. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Okay? So this is important. So already we see a lot here just in, in the beginning. Now, second thing I want you to see here that we will develop. All of these will become clearer as we build blocks. But a second point to note here is that God is a God of order. Genesis 1 clearly shows, Genesis, the account of Genesis 1, 2, and 3 specifically shows to us that God brings order out of chaos. And how he does it is not by doing chaos. He does good and only good. You know, in, in Psalms 19 verse 1 and 2, this is just one example, but there are many, many, that says who God is through creation. Um, for example, in Psalms 19, where it says, the heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the works of his hands. Day and day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. What is it revealing to us? What is creation revealing to us? Order. God is a God of order, and God is a God of good. And lastly, please hold this, make a note, as simple as it sounds, God brings life. God is a life giver, not a death giver. God does not do bad or evil so good can come. And if we think it's evil, it's evil. Okay? Um, if you, yeah, I'm not going to get into that. Listen to our sovereignty teachings. But God clearly from this place of chaos, what does he do? He brings his word he brings his life through his word and through the spirit he brings 
order to that which did not have order. We also see that God creates independent agents, which he calls man. And in, in Adam and in Eve, God now brings his image in the earth. He had created the animals to, and the, everything else, the whole universe. However, when it comes to bringing his image to the earth, he creates man and woman, both equal. Okay, And they bring his presence, his image to each other first and to the world. I recently heard someone say this and it was so interesting. said, remember when Adam was, uh, was created, there were no mirrors. How could he see the image of God? He saw God and saw himself when they walked together. But when he saw Eve, well, how he recognized her was, you look like God. You look like the image of God. And so when they saw each other, they were supposed to see the image of God in each other. Okay, this is very powerful. So as he creates these independent ages, we have to ask why. Why make them independent? Well, he, we know from the revelation in Scripture in 1 John that God is love. And love means that there will always need to be a choice. And they, they were there to make a choice, to choose God. They, God chose them, but he gave them the free will to choose him back as well. We know that they failed to do this. And what do they do? They bring an independent spirit into the earth, which does not look like God. And we're going to get into that. Okay. They listen to the voice of a stranger and give him authority on earth that God never wanted him to have. So we're going to finish this year, but it already shows you that there's lots more to dig into. Okay. Deeper than what we thought before. And I want you to um, understand that as we dig into this, it might sound like a lot of theory, but this will set up your heart and your life to see things the way it's supposed to be, to see in your heart who God is, how he works, and honestly, the incredible beauty of Jesus's finished work. And then also to experience that work of God in you and through you as you reach the world with the good news and the good, the, the, what do they call it? The more than good, the more than good news about who Jesus is. Not just by works, but also by deeds, because we understand who we are, because we understand who he is. Amen. Have a great day. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.co. And if you're ever in the Duras area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.co.